Welcome to episode 131, my friends. This is The Space in Between, and I'm your host, Phoebe Leona. And today we have a special guest, Victoria Volk, who is a grief recovery specialist. And we're going to have her on in just a few moments where she shares her own story of grief and her recovery. And we go into some really, really deep conversations, which I'm really excited to share with you in just a moment. But few things happening here in Nomadland that I want to make sure you are aware of. So first of all, if you've been listening to this podcast for the last however many years or you're new, please go ahead and review us, subscribe, share, especially if you know somebody out there today who's grieving and needs a little bit of these these stories and practices to help them through their time, share it with a friend and support us if you can to make sure that this is ad free. We don't want to interrupt our deep conversations here. We want to let everything flow freely, but we have lots of things that happen on the back end to make sure that this comes alive. So if you're open to supporting us, go ahead over to thenomadcollective.org and you can become a supporter for just $11 a month, which will give you support of keeping this this podcast and all of our podcasts ad free as well as you will receive special invitations to our for our, our events that happen all month long every month and um, we have a couple other things happening over there if you go to visit our website something else I'm really excited to tell you about is my book dear radiant one is out it's available Wherever books are sold, you too can hold this beautiful book in your hands or on your Kindle. And I'm just really, really touched by all the beautiful comments that I've been receiving recently from dear friends and students and family who are reading my story, reading my story for the first time in a way that I'm bringing light to a lot of the, a lot of the shadows that were sort of haunting me over the over my childhood and bringing them to this space of radiance to celebrate it but also to help you step into your own radiance. So in that book I share a transformational guide through the practices that helped me to help you. And um I'm going to talk a little bit more about that, but you know this podcast series that we we turned to just a few episodes ago we're exploring these this emotional recovery through these conversations. So today we're talking about grief. In in a couple of weeks we're going to talk about loneliness. We talked about ooh, fear last week or a couple of weeks ago with Coco. We explored joy. So we're going to dance around all of the emotions in these next month or two in this podcast, but we're also diving in deep for you specifically to enter into a program. So if you buy the book, you'll see that there are practices at at the end of each section that help you make bring expression to these emotions and to invoke maybe the lighter emotions, the higher frequency emotions, so that you start to change that as you're kind of dialing it in as that you is your more of your normal. And if you need a little help, a little bit more guidance, I will be launching my new program, Embodied Radiance, which will be available May 9th. You can take it as a self-paced course. It's basically walking you through those practices with some video and audio and some recorded special podcasts there and some other literature for you to read. 
You can also do it within a group setting where you can attend a monthly session where we dive in as a group. And then there's also an option to have a couple of private sessions with me. So there's a few options on how you take this this roadmap of transformation. So you can go ahead and find out more at thenomadcollective.org or my website, phoebeleona.com. All the information will be there by the time you hear this. And a couple other things happening in terms, in connection with Dear Radiant One. If you are listening to this today, as this comes out April 26th, and you are in the New York area, specifically Hudson Valley, I'm going to invite you to come join me in person in Newburgh, New York at the Grit Studios, where I will be sharing a Dear Radiant One reading and dance experience. So I think I talked about this a couple episodes ago, how I did my first reading at my grandmother's a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to be doing something similar, but with more friends involved, where my friend Gisela will also be sharing her poetry and I'll be moving to. We might even involve a couple other dancers out there. And we also are going to be in this very powerful space at Grit Studios where my dear friend David Lionheart, who's been on this podcast several times, he has an art exhibit that um, really dives into his own story of trauma and recovery, but also the some store other stories specifically in the military community, which which really is a beautiful mirror to what's in Dear Radiant One, where I share my stories of my own recovery of trauma, but also my dad's story of being a Vietnam veteran and and his own journey through recovery. Um, So I just thought when I saw my dear friend, David Lionheart, in this exhibit, holding it, I thought, oh, we need to do something. We've always been wanting to collaborate. So I feel like this is the time and space to do it. So if you're listening to this today, April 26th, and you're in your in the New York area, come join us tonight at 7 p.m. to 7 to 8.30 tonight at Grit Studios. It's 115 Broadway in Newburgh, New York. And if you're not local, you can join us virtually for a Dear Radiant One experience on May 9th, which will be a virtual book experience, but also the kickoff to the Embodied Radiance program, which I told you about. Um, And speaking of being a guide, so that transformational guide, that program, we're also in search of guides. If you are a healer, a facilitator, a wellness coach, a life coach, a yoga teacher, you're out there doing good and serving the world, but need some supports, I invite you into the Nomad Collective Guides Program. And we have limited spots for a few of the, the offerings, but then we have something that's available to all guides to receive support. So this is a space where you can receive just, you know, a space to let it all out. Let us know where you're struggling with, where do you need support? We can offer you uh, a reflection, a little bit of mentoring there, but also every month I have a theme where I give you actual practical resources and, and, and more on the business side of things on how to make things come alive for you. So We're wrapping up this month on how to show up authentically without the overwhelm in terms of marketing and social media. And then May, I'm going to really be taking the guides through how to build a retreat, 
and we're going to talk all about the ins and outs. You'll come with your questions. I'll answer them. And the next month in June, we'll be looking at how to build an online program, an evergreen program, because I've had so many people out there go, how do you do that? You know, you, I have all these live experiences, but I'm, ex- I'm exhausted. How do you create these evergreens? So I'm going to take you through that process in June. So again, if you're out there and you're not quite sure how to make things happen as a guide, a facilitator, a Anything that you qualify as serving our world for the for a heart centered based based business, um, I invite you to join our guides program and receive these resources, these various practices, these business tips, these emotional support systems, and a beautiful community where we're growing there every day. So. With all that said, I think I've talked a lot about what's happening, all the exciting things happening in No Man Land, and now it's time to shift the conversation to today's topic, grief. So we're going to sit with now Victoria Volk, who is our grief recovery specialist, and she's going to share with us now her journey. Okay, I am here with Victoria Volk. I am so, so happy to have you here, Victoria, because I got to be on your podcast a few months ago. Actually, it just came out a week or two ago. And we had such a beautiful conversation around grief. And, you know, of course, I was a guest and I did a lot of talking about my own grief, but I think that it's time to hold space for you and share your story. So, Before we dive into that, um, tell us who you are, where you are in this world, what you're doing, and we'll dive into your story. Thank you for that. Um, Yeah, Victoria Volk, and I live in rural North Dakota. We are now in a blizzard. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) And this is April as we're recording. (laughs) Yes, it's April and there's no school. And yeah, so anyway, comes it's coming, spring is coming in like a lion, I guess. But aside from the weather, um, uh, yeah, I have three kids. Um, I it's been a long journey to get to where I am today, as it usually is for most people. Um, I am an advanced certified grief recovery specialist, a Reiki master. Um, I've what else am I? <laughs> a certified UMAP coach. <laughs> um, I'm currently training in biofield tuning, um, which is another healing modality that's kind of similar to Reiki, but it's, it's like almost like a vibrational massage. Oh, uh, yeah. And yeah, a self-published author. Um, I have a lot of accomplishments, but really all of that happened after I addressed my grief is really Mm. when my life, I feel like. I really blossomed into my potential. Mm, I just got chills when you said that. Mm. And, you know, I, I don't often do like the intros before because I love to see what's in the present moment. Like, how are you identifying yourself in this present moment? And I love just how you were sharing that and how it brought us into this, this story of grief. And, you know, I look, I know a little bit about it just from having conversations with you and um, I listened to your first podcast uh, the other day to, you know, see what else you had to share there. So I'm really curious because you lost your father at age eight when you were age at um, age eight, but it sounds like there was uh, many years in between that and where you're kind of alluding to with this recovery of your own grief. So 
where would you like to start with your story? Yeah, and I think it's important to mention that it it didn't start when I was eight. And that's really yeah. kind of what I've identified really only recently. Um, yeah. I'm having to like update some things in my program and kind mm. of, um, you know, relook at some of the things. And we always, mm. I think that's the journey of healing is that there's always something. It's like when you read a book. If you read it more than once, you always pick up something new Mm -hmm. or you watch a movie again, you always see something different. And I think when we take the time to really um, evaluate where we've been and where we are, we pick up something new. We pick up new insights and things. And so what I've come to realize is that my grief really started when I was six. Um, Mm -hmm. My my father was diagnosed, but he lived, he was only given two to three months, but he lived over almost 17 months. And so he was sick all of that time. And so I was kind of bounced around from the babysitter to the neighbor to a friend's house mm-hmm. when my mom was away with him because uh, he was a veteran and he was being treated at the veteran hospital, which was about three hours from us. And so they were gone a lot for him to get his um, treatment things to get help. And so my grandmother, though, was also sick at the same time as my father. She had melanoma and lived with us for a time. And so there was a lot of just from the time I was six, maybe wow. turning six to seven, it it was just it was kind of like unsettled chaos, um, emotional instability um, in a lot of ways. And so, you know, I was just kind of like I felt like I was just getting shuffled you know, and that feeling didn't really go away for any of my childhood. It was, um, you know, and no fault to my mom. It's not to villainize her. We, we Mm -hmm. resort to what we know. And my father had passed, my grandmother passed away. And then my father had passed away within a year after her. And so my mom lost her mom and then she lost her spouse in Mm -hmm. a very short period of time. And, you know, I do feel like a part of her died with them. Mm-hmm. And so I got a different mom than, say, my oldest siblings did. Um, I got a heartbroken mother. And I think when, you know, when I was so young, like, what do you do with a grieving child? Like, so mm-hmm. the assumption was, was I was so young, I didn't understand yeah. And that is such a misconception that adults have about children is that they they it's easier for them to say that children don't understand because they then it they can bypass the explanation, they can bypass the difficult conversations. And so I learned to really not talk about what I was feeling and stuff it down. And I slept a lot as a child which I didn't understand until within the last four or five years, like there, there were okay. so many, I mean, we went, didn't take a lot of pictures, but I mean, all of my pictures from my childhood fit in a Ziploc sandwich bag, like uh-huh. not very much, yeah. but there's a lot of me sleeping. Wow. Like I would fall asleep before a birthday party. I was on my bed waiting for, to go to the birthday party. I had my shoes on and everything. And I fell asleep before the birthday party or I'm fa- wow. just, yeah, a lot of pictures of me sleeping. And I was a grieving child right? And so, um, and I couldn't communicate my sadness. 
or what I was feeling. And so it started to come out though. I I was angry inside Mm. and that didn't leave me until I addressed my grief. I was a very angry adult internally. Mm. I was very easily triggered. It's almost like I think I would equate it and I, I don't want to compare the two because, and I can say this because I, I am a veteran who served during a wartime, but it's yeah. almost like this PTSD, like just this, these, you're easily triggered. Like everything just triggered me as a, you know, I'd get so angry. My mom couldn't even talk to me. I, yeah. I could, and I reflect back now and I know she tried, but mm-hmm. she was not emotionally available for me for so long that I just shut down. And um, that's really a lot of where my anger came from. So going through grief recovery, it was, it was like a boulder was coming off my shoulders. I could let go of all of that anger and resentment and pain. And, but it wasn't just that it was, you know, my grandmother passed away. My dad passed away a year later. I was molested. I was molested again as a young teenager. Um, And so there was just a lot of grief and a lot of trauma, much of my childhood, most of my childhood. And so I didn't know anything different other than grief. And it, again, it wasn't until I went through grief recovery that I became friends with it. And I started to understand that People, I was just actually just yesterday, I was, um, was it yesterday? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Last couple of days, I was reflecting, looking through my senior book. And back back when I was a high school senior, it was a thing to like write on the back of the pictures. Yes. <laughs> to the person you gave it to. I don't know if kids still do that nowadays, but yeah, I was reading some of the things that my some classmates had written. And I, I recognize that I, I walked to the beat of my own drum then, <laughs> but people, I didn't feel like I belonged. I didn't feel like I fit. And I mm-hmm. did, didn't feel that. I did feel that way much, all of my childhood. I didn't have a lot of, I didn't let a lot of people in, right? Because people just disappoint me and they hurt me and they, they either died or they left um, because my mother quickly remarried. And then okay. she was gone a lot because he was, he was a truck driver. And so she would go on the road with him. And so oh, wow. I was essentially, I, re- I raised myself. I really do feel like I raised myself. Um, and in a lot of ways, my brother was five years older than me. And so he was a teenager. He was off doing his own thing. He had a job at a young, you know, 14. I had a job at 14. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, there's just a lot of these threads in my story that I hadn't really connected until the last four, four years or so, um, who have made me who I am today, that I can look at my empathy, the very strong empathy that really is the driving force of, of who I am as a blessing and not a curse, because I did, Mm I, you know, knowing grief as well as I did as a kid, um, I was often the person that people came to, to like spill their guts to, and they could trust me and I could sit with people in their saddest moments. And it wasn't uncomfortable to me because I know what that felt like. I knew what that felt like. And so, um, but I denied that for so many years and it wasn't until I, 
And I think what happens is grief really just blocks us from ourselves, from seeing ourselves clearly, from seeing others clearly. It puts a veil over our face. And it wasn't until I lifted that veil that I I thought I recognize my own potential, what I was really capable of. And so everything that I have accomplished in my life, the certifications, the trainings, things like that, um, it's, it's all to improve myself, to better myself, to be a better version of myself that I can be, but also to be of service to others um, in the capacity that I know I'm capable of. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you and I spoke on your podcast and, and also personally a bit too. And I definitely see you and I feel you because our stories mirror each other in a lot of ways. Um, and also just something to, you know, I know you know this, but also just to reflect back too, is that you weren't just grieving the loss of your father and your grandmother, but also the loss of your mom, but, but the, her, her grief as well, right. That's you just spoke to empathy of, you know, you as a child, we pick up on so many energies and you were even absorbing her grief as well as your own grief. And that's really quite interesting to have all these pictures of you sleeping and you slept through your childhood in so many ways and raised yourself. So just, I want to, first of all, just see you and honor you now um, for that. And I'm really curious to know what shifted. So here we are, we have this beautiful child going through so many layers of grief and trauma, but you keep talking about these last five years. So what shifted and brought you to this moment of the aha moment of, oh, I've been grieving this whole time or or whatever it looks like. What, What was that for you? Well, I had another loss. Okay. Um, my father's last living brother had been diagnosed with brain cancer. He had had colon cancer too. Actually, colon cancer is, was rampant wow. in my father's family. That's what my father passed away of. Um, at 33, 32, wow. 33, I had, so, yeah. no, no, he was 44. But at 32, 33, I had polyps removed. So I go, I have a colonoscopy every five years. So people, please have your colonoscopy. It's (laughs) there's like, now there's like, you don't even have to go through the colonoscopy. They have that Cologuard. I should be a poster child for that. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I don't know about that. (laughs) Yeah. It's, you know, you can do it at home. It's a test at home, but anyway, it's such a preventable disease. Um, but it, it just, my father's family, like none of, I don't even believe any of them lived to 70 years old, any of his siblings, they've all died young. Um, but I went to see my uncle, my mom had told me he was sick and I granted, I didn't say, mention this in the story, but when my dad passed away, um, I lost that entire family as well because they disconnected from us. There was no, no more communication. I didn't never saw my grandparents again. I take that back. I did go to see my grandmother when she was in the nursing home many years later, I was an adult, but they weren't in my life anymore. And so I lost all of his family too, aunts, Mm -hmm. uncles, cousins, grandparents, one fell swoop. And so when I found out he was sick, my dad's brother, um, I decided instantly I was going to go see him. And I went to see him. I believe it was that same night or even the next day. 
And I walked into his hospital room, not knowing if he would even recognize me because he had brain cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, But he did. And we had a beautiful 10 minutes alone. And then there was a knock on the door and it was his daughter from Minnesota Mm -hmm. and my cousin from Connecticut, who I had not even remembered ever meeting. Mm -hmm. And we had this little family reunion within 10 minutes of me getting there. And um, he survived six months. I had six months to build a reconnection with him and to really let go of the story that had been passed down to me because it wasn't my story. It wasn't the story that I wanted to carry anymore, to be angry, to hold resentment. Um, And I feel like he needed it just as much as I did. And it was, it really was in the editing phase of my book. And so it changed a little bit of my book, but um, Mm -hmm. it was a beautiful experience for me, but that made me realize I wasn't okay because I still had things, feelings coming up after that. And then I lost a friendship that um, felt really strong. And what I realize now is that I was um, putting, projecting a lot of my, what I needed from somebody I saw in this friend for the first Mm -hmm. time, like she was unlike anyone I'd ever met. And granted, Mm -hmm. we, it was an online friendship, like just a, we met online and I, I really discovered now, like in the last couple of years that I was an energy vampire, mm-hmm. but she could give me, I was just like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, she didn't have, she couldn't be what I needed her to be or what I thought she was. Mm-hmm. And so then when she disconnected from me, I felt angry. I felt hurt. I felt sad, you know, all of those things. Mm-hmm but she did me a favor mm-hmm. and because it was a very codependent one-sided friendship. Like I, I believe I helped her in a lot of ways as well, but you know, people come across our path for a time. Sometimes they stay longer than others, but um, I really did get a valuable lesson from that friendship and the loss of that friendship, but it really hurt me badly. And um, yeah, I realized I just wasn't okay. And so I wanted to, I still had the strong desire to help people, but I was trying to create something that I wasn't confident, completely confident about. Um, I thought there has to be something that can not only help me, but that I can share with others. And I went to Google and I found the grief recovery method (laughs) and I signed up and the training was canceled and I was disappointed, but I had already had the time off and, you know, and so I decided to invest more than I even would have had to. And I went to Austin, Texas then and, um, changed my life. I was not the same person on the plane coming back. Wow. So let's go, let's go back to that for a moment. So you're sitting there with Google and you're just like, how do you recover from grief? Is that like, what was going through that moment? Oh man, I was so sick and tired of being sick and tired. I really was tired of grief, just really having such a hold on me. Like I would take things personally. I would read into things. I would make a mountain out of a molehill. Mm -hmm. I was quick to anger. Mm -hmm. Um, I just was not 
at an emotional equilibrium that I could function in a healthy way day to day. Like it was truly, everything was just kept coming up. Like, and this is the thing, like we take ourselves everywhere we go. Yeah. (laughs) So we take our grief with us too. So five years, 10 years down the road, you're taking all that crap before with you, whether you believe you addressed it or not, it's still a part of you. And even if, and if you haven't addressed it, I would ask, well, what are your patterns that are repeating? Mm -hmm. Are people falling away because you're too, too much, right? Why are you too much? And that's what I felt like. Like I I wasn't enough, right? I was, Mm -hmm. I was never enough. Why do I feel like I'm not enough? People just leave me. They go away. They die, whatever, you know? So a lot of self-worth issues, no self-confidence, um, an inability to really make decisions, man, I was so, I was so indecisive. I still have a problem sometimes making decisions, but I'm so much more in tune with my intuition now. Um, And I think too, like that we get blocked from our intuition. Like we always look for outside. We look for outside affirmation. We look for outside feedback. Hey, can you tell me, you know, am I crazy? You know, we are always looking for someone else to affirm for us what we probably know to be true, right? Like, yeah. tell me I'm not, not crazy, right? Because yeah. I felt crazy. Yeah. But the patterns just kept repeating throughout my life and using alcohol. And yeah, it it's multi-layered. And I just, I needed to start to peel back the layers. And that's really what grief recovery helped me do. Okay. So you Googled it, you said, how do I recover from grief? And you found this beautiful training, but it was canceled. And then you ended up in Austin for the same training. It was just in a different location. It sounds like. Yeah. Okay. And I got sick, puking oh. both ends. Sick. Okay. Wait, when? The night before the training oh, started. Wow. Like while you were in Austin? Yes. Like you traveled there? Oh gosh. Okay. And I had been there two days before because I built in some time on either end. Okay. Just to good. Enjoy the city a little bit. And and I, yeah. I met someone on the bus, on the trip, like the tour bus. <laughs> and okay. we went for lunch. <laughs> um, she was in um like a life coaching program there. And okay. So cool. we went for we went for an evening meal. We ate at the same place. I know it wasn't food poisoning. Yeah. But it was your just body a, detoxing. Yes. It was a purge before the purge. Yeah. And it really was yeah. like a purge, um, an emotional purge. Yeah. But it was a good thing I'd read the book. Actually, I read the book, the Grief okay. Recovery Handbook. So you read that first? I did okay. because be- between the time when the training was canceled to when I actually signed up for the Austin one, okay. they were going to refund my money. Okay. Um, my husband's like, well, you've taught yourself all sorts of things. You can teach yourself this. Like, yeah, you can teach yourself how to get to <laughs> grief, right? <laughs> Wait, I, can I, can I pause there for a second? Cause yeah. you, had you already written a book about grief? Yes. Is that correct. Okay. Yeah. 2017 okay. in September, 2017, um, okay. my, it was my kind of part self-memoir, self-help, um, really okay. the resources and things that I was finding helpful for myself. It was really like how I was navigating um, my early personal development years because yeah, what kind of set all the wheels in motion was my youngest started kindergarten. 
and I closed okay. a business and it was, I was not handling all of that very well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wasn't coping yeah, very well. Your baby's going off to school. You're closing something that's an end to something. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, what's my identity now? Like what am I, you know, midlife crisis really is yeah. what it felt like. And so, you know, replaced my losses and I got a dog and <laughs> that's one of the myths of grief, replace the loss. So I did that. All these myths that we are taught, like I did them all, like grieve okay. alone, don't feel bad. You know, we tell people don't feel bad. So we hand them a tissue to stop the crying mm-hmm. or we give them a cookie or we take them out to eat. You know, mm-hmm. we, we soothe people some way. Well, let's go grab a drink. Forget that guy, you know? Yeah. Right? We, soothing themselves, really. Yes. I did yeah. all of that. All of them. Okay. But yeah, so I had read the book and, but I was reading it from a lens of, I want to help people. I want to help people. Right. But not yourself. Yes. I I mean, I did, but it was really, my focus was always out like helping others. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I also knew I wanted to help myself. And so anyway, I, yeah, this isn't the copy I went through because I, I should have brought my other, I should have pulled up my other one. It has sticky notes like all <laughs> around it and right. highlighting and yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and I realized, yeah, you can't do this alone. That's what yeah. I realized going through the book. I can't do this alone. Mm-hmm. And a book says that you can't do this alone. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's when I decided to go to Austin and um, my life is not in the same sense. In a good way. Oh my, oh my gosh. Yeah. And I want to talk more about that, but I'm really curious because it sounds like, okay, you wrote this book for yourself, The Guided Heart. And it almost sounds like that was your way. Cause I just wrote a book too, as you know, mm-hmm. and it almost feels like that was your way of, of healing yourself. Like, okay, I'm going to write about it. I'm going to work my way through it also in service to others. But then there was still something like a year or two later, because I think that was 2017. And this is now we're talking about the training was 2019. So in that time in between, there's still this, this void or this um, yearning of, of this, was it a healing for self or was it, oh, I I wrote the book, I'm healed. And now I'm going to go out and serve others and just get some skills there. Yeah. It was kind of looked like, okay. You know, after writing it, I felt I started to feel forgiveness for the first time. Mm. I started to feel what that feels like. For yourself? Yeah. It softened okay. my heart a little yeah. bit. But then Beautiful. I had that loss of that friendship in 2018. Okay. Yeah. And so that's really what catapulted me because it's like, I can't even keep a good person in my life, like mm. friendship, you know? And I was a raging mom. My, I didn't feel. Like I was a mom that I could have been like, I was really the self critic in me. I was so critical of myself. Like I, Mm. I just, I did, I felt so. And here's the thing, like personality wise, I'm, I'm more of a thinker. Like we can talk like just briefly talking (laughs) about UMAP. So UMAP is, I incorporate that into the grief work I do because I found that that is the missing piece. Because once we address our grief, it's like, well, what do I want to do with my life now? It's, it answers the now what, and it gives us the language of really who we are and what we bring to the table. And I didn't have the language of, of what my strengths were, of Mm -hmm. what I valued, of 
of what I could bring to the table. Right. I didn't have that mm-hmm. language and I knew I, it's like, I, I felt crazy. So how I'm wired is like messed up. That's what I felt. You know, that's what I was thinking, mm-hmm. but what you did for me and how I knew I needed to incorporate into the grief work is because it, it really is a foundation of language to, and it's a confidence builder because now I know I am on my path. Like this is, mm-hmm. I am fully aligned in this work mm-hmm. that I'm doing. And I've had, and people that I've worked with, they've changed, they've applied for jobs. They never thought they would get. Um, and they had the language mm-hmm. to share from the UMAP, what they could bring to that position. Um, they've moved across the country, started a podcast, became an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. like, it's been incredible to include mm-hmm. it in the work that I'm doing, but um, I just didn't know what I didn't know. Yeah. And so I'm not sure how I got to the UMAP. <laughs> I know. I want to ask you, I know. I love that we're jumping around in time and like your story, because that's how I, that's how we travel in this space in between this podcast, the space in between, because I have so many questions, but I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because I would love to go back to your recovery, but it sounds like you map. It's all like when you were speaking, I was envisioning you just being rewired, right? Your nervous system, your, your emotional state, your, the way of thinking, the way of you're just physically being right now, maybe you, as you're recovering through grief, you now have more energy. And I just was kind of seeing you transform into this whole new being. And what you said was now what, and it is, it's like, we have, we're physically a completely different person, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, everything it is. It's like, oh, I've entered into the field of the, you know, endless possibilities. And I've never, ever have been in here before because I've put all of my energy into grief and this just survival mode. And now I'm in thriving mode. So I love that you connected that dot of your own grief and that now what, and filling that that spot for you the you know the people that you're working with and serving that's that's a huge piece that I think that um yeah as you said you 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 felt that um you you didn't have that for yourself so you filled that gap for others it's beautiful yeah I got goosebumps too as you were talking and I I I do have connectedness in my top five strengths so okay that's an easy thing for me to do is to connect dots but what I I, I found my thought now in yeah. bringing that up is that I understood then from my UMAP that I have more thinking themes. So mm-hmm. I am oh, naturally, right. yeah, I'm naturally in my head a lot okay. to process my thoughts and emotions. Yeah. And so I'm not as communicative about what I'm thinking or feeling. Like I, it's almost like I expect people to read my mind. Like, oh, you can't <laughs> read my mind? Because I'm no, reading like, yours. Yeah. It's, it's, I read body language really like I'm, it's, I'm, my antenna is pretty like heightened, like just sensitivity wise to people's energy and things. And so it's like, I might be thinking something and, you know, expecting that they're picking it up, but they're picking it up, but you know, people can't read minds. Right. Yeah. Um, But yeah. Can they, they just don't know it. (laughs) But what I've learned too, is that when people understand their UMAP, they understand that we really are all different. Mm-hmm. And that you can have two people, a married, let's say a married couple loses a child, and mm-hmm. one person has um, people facing 
like more people facing themes, like they're more, they're more commute, they're more communicative, they're more okay. expressive, they're more um, outwardly, they outwardly express themselves to process what they're thinking and feeling. And then you have one spouse like me, who's more of a thinker, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm not, I'm going to journal, I'm going to sit alone, I'm going to need time alone, I'm going to have to mm-hmm. stop and think before I give an answer. Mm-hmm. And so for someone in a relationship like that, if we don't understand okay. those differences, that's where you creates a lot of problems. And that's where a lot of relationships, I think, fall apart after a grief yeah. experience. Yeah. Because we just don't understand how, how we're showing up. It's, you know, I, my, let's say my husband's, I I haven't tested him yet. Like he hasn't gone through the process and I want him to, but I would bet that he's more of a thinker too, like me. And so that's probably why we work. It's been 19 years, but wonderful. yeah. So we give each other that time alone and that space and we respect each other in that way. But um, if you don't understand that, you can feel resentment. You can feel anger. You can feel like, well, they just don't want to talk. They're not, they're ignoring me or they're, they're not grieving the same way I am. So, you know, why aren't you, why aren't you crying? Why aren't you doing this? You know, that's where people say, well, we, everyone grieves their own way. Well, if you don't really understand how you're showing up to your grief, you're going to feel like there's, you're always going to feel like someone else is showing up wrong. Right. Yeah. And so I think if we can understand our, if we know our UMAP and we know what our strengths are and, and how we blend with other people and how different we are, we have more compassion for each other, especially in grief. That's so powerful. I love that you just highlighted that, you know, it's particularly in spouses who are grieving. That's really powerful, but Okay. I'm going to jump around a little bit with this because I really am curious about this experience you had at the training with the grief recovery program. So you're taking us back to your hotel where you're like coming out at both ends and then you entered into this. Was it a weekend? Like what was the training? What did the training look like and what were you experiencing there? So they do offer a two day workshop where they take, they take, you know, just anybody can, well, it's not for just anybody. Let me say that because it is yeah. like drinking from a fire hose. It is confronting wow. everything Oof. in your past, like all at once. Like okay. if I'm, if I'm just taking someone through grief recovery, it's, it's a seven week program. Yeah. Two days, just two days. <laughs> <laughs> so your is, body knew that before. It was like, let's yeah. get this all out. Yeah. But it is four okay. days. But okay. the first day and the last day, you know, it's orientation. It's this is what yeah. we're going to talk about. This is what to, yeah, it's, you know, laying the foundation and then yes. getting into the meat, meat and potatoes. Yeah. Um, but it was. It was transformative. It was everything that I needed and more. Mm-hmm. It exceeded my expectations, even if I was laying across chairs and my instructor got me drama me and so I wouldn't puke. I mean, I was there. I was there. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was exactly what I needed. And it was an unusually small class. Okay. Um, actually, there was one, two, three, five participants, including me, okay. which is 
the smallest, like she even said, this is like one of, this is like, I have never had a small class like this. What's okay. funny though, is two of the participants were actually already certified, trained. Okay. Great recovery specialists that they were there for advanced training. Okay. So it was only three of us essentially that were there for okay. like not knowing what to expect, you know, first timers. Yeah. But they were actually paid for by their school to be there. Okay. Okay. So I was the only one really there for me, like to do yeah. the work for me. And so that did the dynamics of the training was a little different because of that. Um, it could mm-hmm. have been a really negative experience had those other two trained specialists had not been there. Um, but it happened exactly how it was supposed to. And I feel like there's a theme in my life, like, cause the instructor, the trainer, she was like, this has never happened before. Mm-hmm. Like, cause the training was kind of starting to go off the rails a little bit. Um, okay. if you're not there to do the work, yeah. um, for you, um, first of all, you shouldn't be doing this work. You should not be yeah. a school counselor. <laughs> I'm sorry if you can't do your own work um, because you can only really help children to the capacity that you've worked through your own crap. Yeah. Um, That's my own belief, I guess. But um, so, yeah, the training, the training could have gone very differently than what it did. But um, yeah, it just seems to be a theme through my life. Like this never happens. Like I've heard that (laughs) so many times in my life. Like We've never seen this happen. And, you know, in fact, too, my, and I've, I have so many examples of this throughout my life, like situations never happen like this. Oh yeah. No, they happen to me, but my son, <laughs> my seriously, my son had a uh, weightlifting accident in this okay. last November, transected his pancreas completely in half. What? This never happens. Like this never happens. Wow. That's like from the the head to between the head and the body and tail between the head and the body of his pancreas completely severed. What? It is so rare. (laughs) I didn't know a pancreas had a head or a body. Yeah. It's like a Nike swish. And so like, it kind of goes like that. And so it's the head, the body and the tails, you know, the anatomy of it is what they refer to it as. Yeah. Completely transected his, the main duct and everything. Like wow. his spine just severed it because he's a very wow. slim kid. And so, yeah, um, it's been a whirlwind okay. <laughs> since November, but he's doing good. Okay. Good. Um, he didn't, it would have been too dangerous actually to have surgery because he was filling with fluid and oh, it was, wow. he couldn't have surgery. It was too dangerous. Um, okay. But um, good thing he didn't because he would only have like 30% of his pancreas left. Okay. Uh, it is starting to die. The tissue is starting to die. So we don't know okay. like what the future holds exactly, but okay. um, that's just one, ex- one other example of yeah. my life hey. of how stuff, this never happens. This never happens. Yeah. Well, invite Victoria. It will. <laughs> yeah. Expect the unexpected. I think that should be the theme of my life. Yeah. Yeah. That should be your, yeah. Your little like business card. Expect the unexpected Victoria. <sighs> Oh yeah. So, okay. So you had, but it almost sounds like, well, I don't know it fully, but it almost sounds like what you're, what you're alluding to. It's like this scenario was like magically created for you. So you could be held in this space 
for your yeah. own, re- your own grief recovery. Yeah. Cause there was three trained specialists yeah. there right? Just ready for you. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. And just to put it in perspective, like how many people are usually like 20, a hundred, uh, at least 12. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So like at, at least, least 12. Double. And I, I don't know what she's, I mean, that was like, that was 2019. So it's been several years, but yeah. usually it is a larger class. Okay. And so you said before, when you went home, you were not the same person. So you had, you know, maybe like a week, it sounds like, cause you had a few days on either side on your own. So you had this experience and with this intention to come back and serve, or was it still at this point for your healing or what was going on with you? Oh, it was, it was really ugly. (laughs) Okay. It was really ugly at first because, oh, well now I realize I have a lot of work to do Yeah, because whether people are dead or alive, we are in relationship with them. And Mm -hmm. if they are living and they're not in our lives, there's still a relationship there. You're still holding on to stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and there continues to be stuff, right? The relationship continues. And that's what I didn't really understand before grief recovery is that, um, you know, with my dad, when I, when, and as a kid, if it's not communicated to you, like what happens when you die and like, if you're not like a death and dying and spiritually open talking family, you're going to make up your own stories as a kid. Mm-hmm. And so I saw my dad in his grave or in his casket, which I do recommend that children go to funerals. Like, but you have to have the conversation or like yeah. I said, they will make up their own stories. It is a part of life. It's not something to hide. It's not something to shy away from. It's not something to be afraid of. Um. And so I saw my dad in his casket and he was put in the ground and I thought, that's it. That's what happens when you die. Mm. There's no continuation of relationship. I thought I actually just wrote this, um, my newsletter. I'm not sure where, um, or maybe I said it in my podcast. I'm not sure. But anyway, it's like, I didn't know I could still talk to him. I thought that's what people who were crazy did <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean like mm-hmm. yeah totally. crazy people um, I get that and so I didn't and I did you know I do recall as a teenager um I love to go I went I would walk my whole where I grew up it was um I would walk the whole around town I'm not I think it was two two four miles it would be like two miles and then you know okay. four and I love to walk in the winter and we had a street light right on the corner of where our house was. And when I would walk under that, a street light would go out. Mm-hmm. And I, even when I, when I was, once I was married and had kids and we lived in this, um, we lived in a trailer court actually. And there was this one light and when I would drive and drive under it, it would go out. And so I had instances like that. And I would, mm-hmm. in the back of my mind, I'd be like, that's curious, mm-hmm. but I never was like, what are, 
you know, is that my dad? Like, that's for, you know, like that's for crazy people. Right. You know, so I didn't allow myself to feel open to receive messages to, I, I actually didn't even step in a church. Um, I mean, I was confirmed in a church because you had to go through the motion. I went through the motion, but I wasn't like connected. I didn't feel connected. I was angry at God. So Mm -hmm. I didn't go to funerals. I didn't go. Yeah. I just did not. I had an aversion to God, I guess, since I was a kid and we didn't go, we stopped going after my dad passed away. We didn't go to church anymore. And so, I mean, that's, that's a belief and that's a message to send kids, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, that's another, God's not here anymore. We're not spending time with God. Yeah. Right. You know, because as adults, it's like, we need to understand that our choices have impacts on our, have an impact on our kids. Yeah. So yeah, that really, I I really did not have a religious or spiritual practice or strong belief system in any of that until, um, really until probably I started to dig into my personal development. I actually converted, um, my husband and I, I went to, um, he's Catholic and I went to a class. I wasn't Catholic. I went to a class and there was something that was said that just like that really resonated with me. It was mm-hmm. built on tradition. You know, it's built on tradition and not to make this like a religious topic. I don't care what your beliefs are, but it gave me something to believe in. Yeah. And it really is what helped me develop spiritually. I do feel more spiritual than I do feel religious, I guess, in a way now. Um, I do feel like there is something after this, which I never did as a kid, but like, wow, how different, Mm -hmm. how healing that could have been for me as a kid, you know? So we just don't understand the implications that our choices have as parents on our kids when we are the ones making them for them. Yeah. Oh, that's so, oh my gosh. Yeah. I, Thank you for sharing that. I, you know, um, I totally believe in that too. I actually wasn't raised with any sort of faith at all, like any Christian, any religion. Um, And I didn't find out until much later. I think that that seed was because my grandmother was in a situation similar to yours. She lost her father at a very young age and she like would basically pray every night, like for her dad to come back Mm. and God didn't bring daddy back. And so her, I don't know. I'm going to have to ask her now that you just said that your family started, stopped going to church. I don't know if she, her family did too, but it was, you know, so I, when I entered into the world, you know, many, many years later and, you know, seeing all my friends going to church and I was curious about it, but I would go to, you know, their Sunday school. Sometimes I was like, Ooh, that does not sound good. It sounds a little scary to me, you know, when they had these rules and regulations to like, you know, get points to go to heaven. Um, but I was still curious about it. And so I have always been very curious in similar, you know, similar, but different, you know, I I felt there was something bigger, but I also thought that like, Oh, that might be crazy. (laughs) If I, you know, see something bigger than myself or connect to something, someone that's no longer in this world. Uh, But I love how you said like uh, Catholicism really gave you this anchor and this something to believe in. And I feel that for everyone, you know, I, I don't know if I necessarily have a specific faith, but I just, 
I love the stories of Christianity. I wouldn't consider myself Christian, but I just love the stories that come from there and the the lessons that we can learn. And it's giving me some sort of anchor, but I also study Buddhism and I'm a yoga teacher. So I just, I feel like whatever anybody can connect with that can anchor them because we, none of them know, right? Like Catholicism doesn't know Hinduism. They don't re, like we have beliefs, like you said, but we don't, we don't really know. We don't have hard fact evidence. So, but it gives you that sense of belonging that it sounds like it, it's helped you because you said there were so many years that you didn't feel like you belonged. And um, this is one layer. It sounds like, and it says like, there's a lot of other inner work you've done, but this was one thing that helped anchor you here now as a and spiritual to, being. Yeah. And to accept though, that it's, a, you're, it's okay if that evolves. Yeah, because yeah. we evolve with our grief. I mean, Absolutely. I've addressed a lot of my grief. I've worked through because once I learned this method, I've applied many relationships. I've worked mm-hmm. through many relationships, including with my relationship with alcohol. You can work mm-hmm. on your relationship with food, um, money. Mm-hmm. I've done my relationship mm-hmm. with money. Like, what's the money story that I was raised into? Mm-hmm. That's a huge mm-hmm. one for people. Yeah. Um, but like you, I was curious, right? I was open-minded as well. Um, I had a friend who was a Jehovah's Witness and I went with her to, you know, one of her, whatever, you know, I, cool. whatever they do. I'm not sure yeah. anymore what it's called, <laughs> but you know, so I've I've I had I had a pagan friend. I mean, I had friends, I've had friends from all walks of life. Yeah. But there was never like this, I wasn't raised to like, you know look down on someone because of what they believed yeah. or their skin color. In yeah. fact, a, a, it was a, it was a black man who saved my dad's life in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So it, I was never raised that way. And he was like my father's family, like they were very, they were racist, but I okay. wasn't. And I don't know how okay. we got to that topic, but I'm just, I grew up to be, even despite everything, I grew up very open-minded. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that's, that's one of the lessons too, I'd like to share is just be open minded yeah. to yeah. learning something new, even if you don't resonate with it. I mean, that's yeah. how you find, like, I was curious, stay curious, right? I was curious about the Catholic faith. My husband wasn't pushing me. He wasn't pressuring me that, well, I'll go to a class and see what I think. Yeah. Went to one class, one class became two and three and four and and, you know, I just, I, I felt a connection with it. Mm-hmm. It's changing over time, right? Now I feel more spiritual. I feel, now I feel like I'm connecting more with the mysticism side of me as a kid. Cause I would, I was the kid that ordered like palm reading books, Yes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was into that sort of like, you, already you knew. know, the weird yeah. stuff, you know, I collected stickers and now my planner today has like, um, it's the passion planner and they sell stickers with their passion. You can get stickers. So I just got to show you this okay. because I, I play with stickers. You're so fun. I yes. Love it. it's, <laughs> yeah. I bought all the stickers and so, yeah, it's, it's reconnect. Yeah. I would not have reconnected with the kid in me. Right. If yeah. I wouldn't have addressed my stuff. We so forget, we so easily forget what lights us up, what brings us Uh, joy. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love, 
I love everything you just said there. <laughs> but I, I'm, I mean, you just lit up like when you were talking. I mean, most people will be listening to this, but your face just lit up when you talked about stickers and you showed them to me <laughs> and, and the palm reading books. And, and that I think is just so very special for us and for you specifically right now as we're honoring you of, of like that reconnection to that, that younger self, that like pre-grief Victoria. And it gets, it seems like you are like, have done a lot of inner child work with this mm-hmm. whole grief recovery process too. And is that, is that a specific, is that something you've done on your own or is that part of this process of grief recovery? I did my relationship with my inner child with this too. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Beautiful. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think that's so important. And I've been feeling that too. You know, I, I, my book just came out last week and, and there are a lot of stories that I shared on your podcast. Um, but, and I was a little nervous for it to go out into the world and, and be there, but it's been so freeing. And like you with your stickers, I, and I've been dancing again, but I feel like even more connected to that inner self where she used to dance in her room. It was like a joyful thing, not so much this thing that she was doing like to get through her trauma, but it was actually just this beautiful, joyful thing for, for herself and for others to share. So um, I love to see that in you and I'm just kind of relating to that right in this moment too. Um, And what I want to talk about because you've been saying it so beautifully throughout this whole time, but just highlighting it for people is that you've been talking about grief, but you haven't really talked about like depression necessarily, which I think Mm. a lot of people think of sorrow as grief, but you've talked about so many other emotions. And uh, I just, I think that's really important for all of us to really sit with, because I talk a lot about grief too, of how it holds everything. Mm -hmm. And you just spoke to joy and even joy is in grief. And Mm -hmm. even though like, yes, you have done so much of this inner work and you will always be, you know, having some sense of grief in your life. um, You can still have these beautiful stickery, (laughs) sticker moments, joyful moments, right? Um, how have you, what's the question I want to ask? Like, how have you negotiated your, your relationship with grief to have more of these joyful moments? If that, if that, or you can go any way you want to go. I don't know if that's the question I want to ask, but there's something there that I feel like we need to explore. I think it's naturally evolved that way. Again, I think it's just the more that we uncover, discover, and work through, it, it's like put 50 weighted blankets on you. It'd feel really heavy, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we, there's more than 40 losses. You know, you moved. You had to lose friends. You lost your job. You got a divorce. Your spouse died your child died. Um, you lost a friendship. Um, you were abused through a pandemic. Yeah. Trauma is what happens. Grief is what's left. So anything that would felt traumatic to you, you had a car accident. That's traumatic. Grief is what's left. Maybe you don't, maybe you lost your physical abilities in some capacity. Maybe you had a traumatic brain injury. Maybe you have lost use of a limb. Maybe you had to have a limb amputated. I mean, there's so many 
losses that have ripple effects in our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have one accident that changes the rest of your life. You lose your job you, or you can't work. You know, there's so many different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's naturally evolved. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing that I consciously, I think, was doing at the time or continue to do consciously at the time. I, I just think we change with our grief. And I can tell you, being a griever since I was a kid, like I can, it, it's definitely changed throughout the years. It's manifested mm-hmm. in different ways throughout the years. Um, and, and it will, um, until we can break the cycle of it, because I will always feel sadness that my dad hasn't been a part of my life all these years. He doesn't know my kids, his grandkids. Mm -hmm. Um, it was his 35th anniversary of him dying on the 31st of March, Mm -hmm. 35 years. And prior to me writing my book and, and you know, starting all of that and like going through grief recovery, like people would say, is that the time it was actually when I met my uncle, um, again, it was almost 30 years to the day. It was very close to being 30 years. Like it was, and people would say, I had some people say, shouldn't you be over it by now? Mm. And so if what you've experienced brings up painful memories, painful emotions, you have not addressed your grief. If you are feeling those things and you are resorting to behaviors to help you feel better in that time, like alcohol, drugs, relationships, sex, gambling, shopping, food, work, you have not addressed your grief. That is simply a pattern that's revealing itself time and time and time again. So with, you know, people say you can't recover from grief. Yes, you can. You can recover from the pain of the grief. Yeah. Will you feel sad? Yes, you'll still feel sad. But I'm not lying on the floor decaying from it. I'm not allowing it to discern my decisions or error. It's my decisions are not based on my grief and what I'm feeling. You know, so you look at it differently. And if you're unable to look at your grief differently, you haven't addressed it. Yeah. You, when you were speaking, I was, I often go back to like this vision that um, Elizabeth Gilbert uses in her book, Big Magic and various talks about fear, but I'm also replacing like what you're talking about, like grief. She talks about fear sitting in the back seat rather than driving or even like in the passenger seat with all the controls. And what you're kind of speaking to is like grief is always going to be in the car with you to a certain extent, but you don't have to let it drive or have all those controls, but you, you can't let it. So basically you can't let it control you. However, you also know to know that it needs to be in the car with you. It's going to be there. And so how are you going to make friends with it while you're driving it to wherever you're going? Right. And are you going to continue to look in the rear of your mirror at it? Yeah, like, uh, you're going to look forward, right? And put your eyes forward. Oh, I like like this is what happened. It's in the backseat. It's in the past. But how can I help that to shape my future? I like that additional visual. Yeah, thank you. 
<laughs> um, so I, we're going to wrap it up because I want to honor your time, but I do, and we've already sort of talked about this, but I love your mission. You say on the podcast that you want to talk about the, you want to talk about grief, like you talk about the weather. And so I think we did a beautiful job in that today. Is there something like you want to like take away for like our, our people out there listening, what could they do to start to talk about grief? Like the weather, is there something like a tool that you use or a practice that they could lean into? When you feel yourself wanting to respond, when someone asks you, how are you? And -hmm. if you feel yourself wanting to say, I'm fine, (laughs) dig into that. Okay. Because fine is feelings inside, not expressed. Ooh, (gasps) look at you with fine feelings inside, not expressed. Mm -hmm. You know, you are a veteran because you, you guys love your acronyms. (laughs) There aren't enough of them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Military. We love the acronyms. I love it. I love it. Oh my God. That's amazing. Uh, is there anything else that you like we didn't go to today that you want to make sure we touch on before we start to wrap it up and tell people where to find you? Oh, grief is exhausting. <laughs> yeah, I know. This has been so rich. Um, grief is exhausting. And it's, it really, in my opinion, it was the pandemic long before coronavirus. It's been our pandemic. Mm -hmm. I think it's ridiculous, absolutely crazy that I saw a story in the national news not long ago, and I was just like screaming at the TV. Um, (laughs) They were talking about kids and the impact of coronavirus and COVID-19 on children and grief and depression of, you know, losing lot, losing a parent or losing loved ones. And I'm thinking, oh my God, kids were losing their parents long before COVID-19 kids have always been losing loved ones kids have always been grieving yeah there's bullying there's abuse there's I mean of all these 40 plus losses that children experience also in their life yeah it didn't start with COVID-19 it's like not all of a sudden there's all these grieving children it's like now we talk about it (laughs) drives me yeah. crazy. I am definitely, I mean, this is like a whole other episode for us to it sit is. with because I feel like the pandemic just amplified everything that is, you know, quote unquote, kind of wrong in our world. And you just hit that one. Absolutely. I totally agree with you with grief. And also um, the kids are so resilient. I mean, you are so resilient. You had to go through so much and yeah, you, you know, it took you 30 something years in the, this recovery process, but you still, you know, you took a lot of naps, but you were still there and you still survived and, you know, you got up every day and, you know, I also want to give credit to kids too, that how resilient they are. Um, and you specifically, cause we're honoring you here today, but, you know, yeah, thank you for kind of speaking to that about the children. I do have to say something now because it does Please drive me do. crazy when people oh. say children are resilient. Okay, <laughs> um, let's do so, it. Yes, in, I, I'm going to educate now. So I'm putting my educator hat on. Um, 
children don't choose to be resilient. No, absolutely. Yeah. They're put in a position where they it's survival and they learn how to cope. And so that's where a lot of people might say, oh, they're so like, especially children who are put in situations where they had no choice but to like cope. Um, They're viewed often. Now, think of those listening. If people say to you, you're so strong, you're so strong. Yeah. They never have a space to actually feel not strong. Was there something in your childhood that shaped you to believe that you had to be that way? Like you, you had to bear the the grief of others in your household that you had to be the family therapist. Like I was like my mom's therapist as a child, like she would just emotional brain, you know, vomit (laughs) on me. Yeah. Yeah. So children don't choose that. Um, So don't say that. <laughs> that's my that's my plea today. Don't say children. No, I love that yeah. you say that. You know, and I I guess that isn't the word that I meant to say. It's that we we don't give children enough credit. Yes, absolutely. I because absolutely, I think 100% that agree. like to, to echo your story and you know people who listen to my podcast they know my story too. Is like we we did we survived, but we also were feeling like what I said to you earlier is you were grieving your father and your grandmother. And also the loss of your mom to a certain extent, but you also were feeling your mom like, and nobody really gave you that space or that credit of feeling her pain. And, and that's what I guess what I really was talking into is the pandemic is that children, and you said this, children have been losing their parents this whole time, but like children have been going through loss in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. And we need to remember that, that they we, it's more about the conversation, right. Of the parenting of yeah. how are we going to hold space for that? How are we going to honor that? You know, they can feel, even if they don't necessarily are conscious of the loss that's present, but they can feel the parent's loss or they can feel whatever, you know, that, sh- that shift is the, the loss that they're not going to school and seeing their friends anymore. But it's really just that space that we're um, honoring them and, and acknowledging their own grief, but they're also picking up on so much else that's out here. And I guess that's what I meant in terms of the resilience Mm -hmm. is that they are, the resilience is that they're pulling in all of these other energies that they're not even, we're not even conscious of as adults and they might be or may not be, but they're pulling in all of this and living all of this. And that's the resilience is that they're still making the choice every day to move forward. Um, but to have that space, this actual, you know, in conversation as adults to say, you're feeling a lot, let's have this conversation, right? And, and really learning how to parent in a new way. Um, because we, you and I didn't have that space to, to feel acknowledged in that, right? We, you felt so much, I felt so much. Um, and, but we never really had that permission to, to, to acknowledge that, right? I want to go deeper just a briefly yeah, here because, yeah, you know, and you were it. around 14, you were a teenager, right? When like, well, right? I was eight too, when my parents separated and I started to deal with my father's stuff, but yeah, then I left at 14. But what I want to dig into more so now is, is, oh, what was it? <laughs> <laughs> I love oh it. Gosh. So let's dig in. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I had such a good, you're going to have to edit this out. Oh. What was my point? No, it was so it good. 
It was so good. You're going to totally like, you're like, yeah, bam, mic drop. <laughs> this is it. Okay. So good. children, we, this is the thing we label children too, right? So we can label a child who doesn't choose a path of negative path, right? So mm -hmm. I wasn't a problem child. Yeah. So I, sorry. Yeah. Right. I mean, I was an angry child, but I, I somehow had the capacity of knowing right from wrong. In fact, I was, mm -hmm. when I was reading one of the pictures from my friends, the back of the picture, she's like, she even said, I love how you care so damn much. And you always told me what was right and what was wrong. Oh. Like, so I was like, she even called me like, you're like my second mother. So I, yeah, I was like, yeah, but you were I taking felt, this mother role. Yeah. Of my friend, but she had a lot of experiences too. Like her parents divorced it as, as a teenager. She was taking a different path from me. Mm. Like she was the opposite of me. And this is the thing I want to highlight is that we look at children then. One child can be viewed as resilient because they're on the right path. They're still, they're coping well. They're mm. not doing drugs. They're not like running amok. They're not, you know what I mean? Like they're yeah. not dropping out of school or they're, you know what I mean? Yeah. They're still going absolutely. to school. They're doing you know what I mean? So yeah, absolutely. another child who, who's doing the complete opposite, who's ditching school, who's, you know, kind of maybe a bully, um, abusing alcohol, maybe even drugs and treats people kind of yeah. crappy. But both these children may have experienced some real, real trauma. Yeah. And one is choosing this path and the other is choosing that path. And one child is right. And one child and, and resilient and strong. Yeah. And the other child is the problem child. Yeah. And that I see is a huge, that is a huge problem in our society. Definitely. And why I feel like every faculty member in schools need to be educated in, in helping. There's a, we actually have a program helping children with loss and why they need it because we need to stop viewing children as good or bad. Yeah. They're just simply coping differently. They're coping differently and they're speaking out in a way that they like that person acting out is also just crying out for help in, yes. a, in a lot of ways. And, and for you and me, we kind of cried inward, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so absolutely. Yeah. I love that. We Thank either implode for... or we explode and that's, you know, yeah. no different in children versus yeah. adults. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for acknowledging it. So I'm going to rephrase the resilience. Thank you for schooling yes. that. No, it is. And I think that is a word that um, I've sat with because we use this word a lot when we're, I work with the military and we're talking about, you know, building yes. resilience. Mm -hmm. um, but it is, it's, it's more of just that acknowledge. I think the word is really that children are just so much more receptive and we don't give them that credit. So I'm going to. Yep retract my statement and put that back in. <laughs> I need a, there, yeah, there should be a better word. Um, yeah, that. we'll invent one. You and I yeah. will sit together, we'll invent a word yeah. and we'll have it be an acronym too. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. I love talking to you and I swear we could like talk for like another hour, but um, let's, uh, let's, let's, 
let's let people find you. So you have a beautiful book. And actually, you were talking about before we started, you were like, I wrote this book, but actually, I'd probably write it again. Or you have like other things. It sounds like a part two or maybe an editing. Um, But anyways, in the meantime, people can read it now. Well, see, I was the guided heart, but now I'm the unleashed heart. Yes, you are. Yes. So um, Okay, so talk about that for a second. Yeah, so I'm unleashed of my grief. (laughs) I'm unleashed. Like it's no longer got chains on me, right? I love it. So um, yeah, you can find me at theunleashedheart.com. Um, links to all my things are there. The podcast is Grieving Voices. And mm-hmm. your episode is just not Fabulous. very recent when this will go yeah. live. Yeah. Um, I think it's episode 93, right? Yes. yes. I don't remember numbers, but yeah. Or 94. Um, and my book link is on there social medias um on instagram i'm at the unleashed heart and yeah i have a program called do grief differently and it's essentially the grief recovery method and you map together but you work actually through two of your most difficult challenging relationships often we start with the parents because they're the most influential of our lives Okay. And we can often connect themes throughout the rest of our lives from our childhood. Mm, okay. So that's usually typically where we start um, and go through UMAP and figure out, okay, did my work through some of my grief, my hardest grief, what's next? And that's where we go through UMAP at the end. And it's 12 weeks, one-on-one with me. Okay. And um Working on something for those who are diagnosed with a terminal illness as well. I'm a trained end-of-life doula as well. Mm -hmm. And so I'm working on something for people to work through at their own pace uh, to create an end-of-life experience on their terms. Um, I don't, you know, my dad passed away in a nursing home. Uh, I don't think that that's what he would have wanted, but we are so Mm -hmm. rural that access to hospice and things like that, (laughs) like the resources just were not there. I think mm-hmm. it's still a bad, a terrible problem in a lot of rural areas. Um, but it is possible to have a dying experience that um, can be truly beautiful and bringing family into that, into that, instead of having this aversion to death that we, that we do have and that we try and sterilize. Mm-hmm. Um, and what else? Yeah. Oh, um, training in uh, biofield tuning which really deals, addresses the energetics of our bio field. Um, our, um, our energy field stretches five to six feet be around us in like a okay. shape of an apple. And um, birth is the farthest out. And then we work our way in. And what I found though is Reiki. I'm a Reiki master as well. And that really addresses the energy within us. But if we can start with the energy that's stuck mm. out here in our field mm-hmm. um suddenly this becomes more powerful when we work on the energy within us and so um kind of gets to the root energetically yeah, yeah. Uh, so i'm excited about that um i'll be launching that as a new service at the end of may 2022 oh wonderful oh i might follow up with you okay so two things i want to say um to reflect back really quick you just are the epitome of, have you ever heard like you turn your karma into your dharma? 
No. Do you know what? Oh, so my teacher has said this to me before, but I don't think she coined it. But this idea of your karma, like what you entered this world, your soul entered into this world, right? With these karmas, these different stories, these different challenges and obstacles that you faced as a child, you really made it into your purpose, your dharma. And just hearing you with all your beautiful offerings and and your process that you've gone through, I just want to echo back and, and reflect that to you, that you really have honored all of the challenges and obstacles that um, were, you know, essentially handed to you at a very, very early age. And just thank you for doing the work for yourself first and, and seeing that you're such a beautiful being that you are, and now just radiating out to the world and and I see that you're you just have so much joy in what you're offering. And that that just speaks so much. And I'm just, yeah, I'm grateful that our paths crossed. And the other thing that I said, I'll I'll talk to you about after because it's about a book and I don't want to take another conversation elsewhere. But yeah, I love being with you, Victoria. And I definitely hope that um everybody out there received the wisdom that you you brought to our our conversation today and, and they follow up and find you at all of your socials and programs and everything. So thank you. Thank you so much. I love to be in, I love this conversation. I feel like it was very rich. One of the best yeah. actually. Oh yeah. We do good things in the space <laughs> in between. <laughs> cool. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So that is episode 131 with Victoria Volk. I had such a beautiful time speaking with Victoria. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as well. We went to some really deep, deep places, and I'm just so grateful for that conversation. You know, I'm recording this a couple of days after that conversation, and it's been sitting with me still. And I hope that it continues to continues to do that for you too as you continue on with your day in the next few days. And again, you can. F- find her. You can go ahead and find her. There are some links here in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, again, I encourage you to subscribe, to review it, to share with a friend if they have been grieving and they need to help unlock something within themselves and see deeply within themselves that they're not alone. Share this with a friend. Share this with one of your grieving friends to let them know. And I also invite you to support us, support the Nomad Collective. Just for $11 a month, you keep this ad free for us and with us. And you also get some special invites for that support. You get invites to our virtual, some of our virtual events that are happening every month, all month long. And we would love to see your face and get to know you and and guide you through these these times that we're living in. So have a beautiful day, everyone.